Good day to you, fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. I have, uh, the, the scripture I want to share with you is found in Acts chapter 21, verse 10 through 12, verses 10 through 12. And this is what the word of the Lord says. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own feet and hands and said, thus says the Holy Spirit. So shall the Jews of Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Father, bless your word this morning. I pray that you would open the hearts of every hearer here. I pray, God, that you would give me clarity of thought. And, and, and that you would give me stamina to be able to, to continue to do what you've called me to do. I pray, Father, that this message, before it's finished, would, would find itself lodged deep in the spirit and the heart of every believer here. And, God, that they would apply it to their life, Lord Jesus. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, when we think about following the plan of God and doing what the Holy Spirit wants us, to do, there should not be any doubt or wavering. Unfortunately, there are times when, when people can talk us out of doing the will of God. People can influence us. You know, on social media, there are people that do stuff on social media, and, and their actual title is called influencing, influencer, influencers. And, uh, you know, we, we want to be able to influence for the gospel. We want to influence for Jesus. That's the reason that God's called us and raised us up. Well, Paul, on the end of his third missionary journey, passed through the Greek islands, been there, been to many of them. And finally, he reached the house of Philip in Caesarea. And it was here that he met a man by the name of Agabus. And Agabus was one of several prophets who had, had come up from Jerusalem, from Syrian Antioch, where Paul was doing ministry to bring him a message. This message was specifically for the Apostle Paul. Now, I want you to hear me that following the Holy Spirit and following his guidance requires a lot of sensitivity and a, and a willingness to, to hear and obey the will of God. I've been, I've been thankful to be married to this woman for 37 years. And, and in that time period, trust me, it's a credit to her. Um, we, we, and in that time period, I've got to tell you that, that I've been just amazed that every time we, God was speaking to us, he did it at the same time. He spoke to us at the same time. And there were many times when I went to her and I said, Honey, God's speaking to me. He said, He told me that last week. I was just waiting on you. I can't tell you how many times that happened. But following the Holy Spirit's guidance takes a lot of sensitivity, a lot of of being willing. You got to be willing to obey too. God can tell you something and then you just don't do anything about it. You just chalk it up. Oh, it's coincidence. It happened, you know. 
uh, or you wait for God to do, do something else when you need to take the step of faith. My question to the church today is this. What is the Holy Spirit saying to the church? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you as an individual, as a believer? Because, you know, I, I've, while I was sitting here, I was just meditating. And thank you so much, Pastor, for that, 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 that prayer, uh, both of you. Um, honestly, we, we don't have people pray for us like that anymore in a service. And uh, I, I just, it meant a lot. And... What we're doing right now, we're, we're so tired. Being on the road, we're exhausted. And um, we're going from place to place. I've already, tra- we've traveled in already 11 states. Um, last month, this last month that we just finished, 3,500 miles. And, uh, you know, we're, we've got to get it done. We've got to do it. We've got to get back. I also have a congregation that's weighing strong on my heart. Uh, and, uh, and so... Thank you very much for praying. Uh, I know that you will continue to pray. But here's what I want to say to you. The, the, just as I was hearing this worship going on off of my subject a little bit, since he said, since he said I have till 1 o'clock, right? Um, so is it 1 o'clock? It's 1230. Oh, I got to forget this. Forget it. No, I, I'm going to tell you. We, we. When I was sitting here and I was listening to this worship and I'm thinking, wow, what, what enthusiasm, what zeal in this place. These people really love God. And then the question came to me, now don't stone me. Why are these pews empty? Why are there so many empty seats here? People, let me tell you something. Our job is not to come in and just get all full of God, full of emotion, full of the Holy Spirit. And they go out and do nothing. When you leave these walls, when you leave these doors, these 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 premises, and this, this afternoon, I want you to know that you're going out into the mission field, and God has a place and a purpose for you. But in all of it, I want you to do this. I want you to listen to what God is saying to you, just like the Apostle Paul did. The Apostle Paul was faced with something that, that is incredible because here is, here's Agabus. Agabus is telling him, this is what's going to happen to you, Paul. This is what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, as, it, as verse 12 says in Acts 21, when we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. And then it goes on. Paul said, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in in, in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when when they saw that Paul was not going to listen to him, he wasn't going to, it didn't faze him, uh, they said the Lord's will be done. They left him in the hands of God. You know, there comes a time in our life that God is speaking to us that, we have to do what we have to do regardless of what other people say. Regardless of what, I don't care if it's, if it's some self-imposed uh, prophet. I don't care if it's moms and fathers. My family had a hard time with me going into missions, okay? I mean, really. And now I've got, I've got, in-law, I've got daughter-in-law. I've got a son-in-law. And their parents are dealing with the same thing. When their children want to take a step 
of faith and do what God wants them to do. It's difficult. I'm not going to tell you. It's hard. And some of the places that some of these young people want to go today, it, I'm telling you, I can't, it defies the mind. Now, I, you know, for us, it's, well, now, it used to be a little bit more difficult, wasn't it? I mean, in those days where we were in a village and, and uh, we had to boil our water and we had to cook our food a certain way and all those things. But now we live 20 minutes from Venice. I know it's rough, right? I mean, but somebody, somebody's got to do it, right? Um, this is where God put me, you know? I guess he thought I paid, we paid some, our dues, and so... This is the reward in our twilight years of ministry. But, but anyway, no, there is a need in northern Italy, I can assure you. But God speaks to you. He speaks to you. If you have a Bible and you spend any time reading your Bible and you spend time meditating in, in prayer, God is going to speak to you. I've often been amazed at, at, at people who put more emphasis on what other people say to them, rather, what, rather than what God is saying to them personally. And sometimes I wonder if it's just easier. It's just easier to listen to the preacher. That's all you get. Just listen to the preacher, and then you go out of here and live your life. And uh, I tell people all the time, don't listen to what, just, what I'm saying alone, Okay. Be as the Bereans. Go out and study the word of God. Do, do, find out that what I'm saying, hold, hold my hand to the fire and make sure that I'm preaching his word. Paul was warned against going to Jerusalem several times, but his heart kept pulling him. He knew what would ultimately happen, but his love for the work, his love for his own people in Jerusalem kept pulling him into that where he didn't have a choice. You see, the love of Christ and the Spirit of God compels us. If you are, if you are totally 100% sold out to God and doing what God wants you to do, it will compel you to go places that, that no one, I mean, everybody would look at and scratch your head. And, 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 and it would do things, I mean, step out, pull out your wallet. I mean, there have been times I told my wife the other day that, Write a check to that pastor because I can't believe what he's going through. My heart bleeds as I go from church to church and I've heard so many pastors that are just this close to quitting, to giving up. And, uh, and I understand because there are times that we feel the same thing, but then... In the back of my mind, I remember the call of God when I was 17 years old. I remember all of those things that happened. And, you know, I tell my children all the time, I said, if you're, you're going to go into ministry, you're going to do this, you're going to do great things for God, then you better make sure that the word quit or give up is not in your vocabulary. We, we, don't, we don't come into this thing to try it out. And sometimes it concerns me that t- today, that in our, our fellowship today, that we have people that are trying out missions. The days that, that we used to be called into an altar, and we used to cry out, and we used to sing, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. Those days are finished. Now we have people that just want to see the world. You know what? You can join the Navy. 
You can join the Peace Corps. You can see the world many other ways. You don't have to be a missionary. Let's not put a spiritual spin on this. If you're called to the work of God, then do the work of God. And we have, we have people today that do mean well. I mean, they want to do what's, what's right. But then they're, they're confronted with imposters, with people that want to trick them, to knock, to, to knock them off of, you know, the, the path that they're on. And First Kings chapter 13, it, it talks about a story. I'm just going to go through this really quick. But it talks about a young pastor, a young prophet from Judah that God specifically told, you're going to the northern kingdom. You're going to Bethel, and you're going to speak against King Jeroboam and his worship practices. Here's a no-name, and he's going up against this king. And he, and he was told, he says, here's the only, the only thing I'm telling you. He says, you go there, you do what I'm saying to you. This is what God's saying. You go there, do what I'm saying. You don't, you don't eat any bread, you don't drink any water, and you do not return back by the same path, the same road that you went. And so this young man does this. And, and through various things, he cries out. There's this, uh, the king, Jeroboam, he gets, he gets upset. And he, he raises his hand against him, and all of a sudden his hand withers. And so that got that king's attention. And, and so the, the king begged him to heal his hand. He did. Boom. So the king asked him, I want you to come to my house. I want to feed you. I want to, I want to reward you for healing me. And this young prophet said to the king, he says, I cannot. He says, even king, if, even if you were to give me half of, of what you have in your home, I, I can't do it. And so he saddled his donkey, got on, his ro- got on the road, started to go back in a different direction that he came, that he entered the city. And on his way, after, after he got on the road, these sons of an old prophet had witnessed this whole thing. There were a lot of people present during this time of worship or this fake worship. And, and, and they, they saw what was happening. They went back home and they told their father, who was this old prophet. Well, the, the old prophet didn't waste any time. He jumped on his, his donkey. He rode after that young guy. I mean, I can imagine that this old man, hearing him match wits with King Jeroboam and what had happened, he wanted to pick his brain. He wanted to see what he was made of. And he finally caught up with him. This young man was sitting under a tree and he was resting. He came up to him and he started to, to just uh, engage him and uh, just, just finding out a little bit about him. And he asked him, he said, uh, I want you to come back with me to eat. Come back to my home, spend some time, rest. And this young prophet told him the same thing he told King Jeroboam. There's, I cannot, I can't do it. He says in, in verses 16 and 17, he says, I've been told by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread nor drink water there, nor return by going the way you came. Now here's where it gets a little bit interesting. This is where the direction of this young man's call and and the instruction that God had given him, he begins to, you know, he was tricked. You see, this old prophet said to him, he says, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with me to your, to, to your house and he may, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he was lying. 
Why would this old man want to lie to this young guy? I mean, sometimes, you know, I've been in ministry for a long time, and I've seen a lot of things. I've kept my mouth shut. I continue to do that. That's a safe thing. But I have seen people that have revered people in ministry. Their name was revered, but I know other things. And what we do, I I have people that come to me all the time that say, how do you know this? I just do. Um, And uh, I I just, I, I keep it to myself and I pray for those people. I pray for those men of God in those situations. I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not with them. I don't make the same decisions. I'm not faced with the, with the same challenges that they're faced with. And so I'm not going to stand in judgment. But I want you to understand that, that there are consequences when we veer off course. When God gives us instruct, specific instructions to do something. That there are consequences when we get off course. This young man, he went there, he ate, he, he, he did what he was not supposed to do. And when the time came, he got on his donkey and started riding out of town. And along that way, he was killed by a lion. We need to be true to our faith. We need to be true to our convictions. You see, God puts us on a path for a purpose, and, and we don't want anything to discourage us or distract us. And there are, distract, there are distractions even in the house of God. The test of one's call in obedient, being obedient to his will, is found in a person's determination, his endurance, his faith to complete the task. Ask, ask the Lord. We need to ask the Lord every day for a spirit of discernment. This is what I teach to my people all the time. In this day, it's so, it's, we're living in some very cunning and conniving days. And we're seeing a lot of it within the body of Christ. We like to put spiritual labels on everything. But I'm telling you, stay in the word of God. Stay in the word of God. There's, there are things that are happening here in this country. I come back. And, and, and Brenda and I have made brief visits, but this is the longest that we've been in America one month. The longest we've been here in seven years. We have seen so many changes, in particularly in the church. Some of the most faithful of people are nowheres to be found anymore. People who were once deacons, who were, who were the ones that prayed for you in the altar, they're out of church. They're backslidden. And I scratch my head and I wonder why. And you know what? It's the same overseas. We're seeing the same thing. But one thing we do see that you may not see because of so many distractions here in this country is that we see the, the drawing, the, the coming up to a close, to a head. We see the coming of the Lord coming closer. We see things happening in Europe that you cannot see here. You cannot even begin to fathom, and I'm not going to go into it in any detail. But we're seeing those things, and I keep telling our people, get ready. Prepare your heart for the coming of the Lord. He's coming as a thief in the night. He's coming for a church without spot nor wrinkle or any such thing. Just go. Just go in the direction of the Lord. 
Let the Lord, let the Holy Spirit direct you to know when something is right and when something is amiss. He'll do it. He will do it. The next thing I want to share with you is this, is that sometimes what God calls you to do, we don't, know, we don't always see the end. We don't, even, we don't ever see the, a lot of times we don't see the final chapter. In Acts 20, 22 and 23, it says, And see now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Don't you see here that Paul, Paul understood now. I mean, he really understood this was going to happen. But it didn't deter him. It didn't stop him. One of the things that Brennan and I had to do when we first left for Africa is we filled up a yellow World Health Organization booklet with a variety of vaccines that some of the things you can't even pronounce. We filled up in our missionary career two booklets. We've got more than 40, 50 vaccines in our booklet. Yeah, I mean, that's just, it's what we had to do. You know, we had to do that. I didn't, I didn't argue with God. I didn't say, I said, Lord, you said you wanted me to go. I said, as a kid, I'll go where you want me to go. So whatever it takes, I'm willing to do it. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting off on a subject that, that may be sensitive here. I don't want to do that. That's not my intention. But I'm, I am pointing out that we don't always see the final chapter in what God has called us to do. And we don't always as long as we're obedient, he keeps his hand upon us. And you know what? Just as the apostle Paul said, I mean, if, if, if I don't make it, I mean, to be absent here is present with God. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I, I, it's a win-win situation for me. I, I, that's the way I look at it. In fact, I, 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 I pray Maranatha every day. But just because things do not seem perfect, in what God is calling you to do does not mean it's not part of his plan. Because so many people, they see things, oh, potential for bad. They see this or that, and, and, and they say, oh, that's not for me. I don't want to get into that. What can be perceived as a mistake in the judgment of the Apostle Paul I mean, there were, there were scholars that thought the Apostle Paul was making a grave mistake. I mean, when you, when you go in and you study this passage, you find out biblical scholars actually thought that he had, an, he had made a spiritual error in judgment. But I'm going to get to that. What God tells us to do isn't always accepted by other people. I mean... There's going to be a lot of people that are not going to get on your train. You know what I'm saying? When we were beginning missionaries and we had to raise our initial budget, it was one of the largest in the Pendel District. It was one of the largest at its time. And there were three of us that were having to do the same thing. Some people, I, I got remember pastors saying to me back then, this was 29 years ago. They said, we're tapped out. We don't have any more money. We're maxed out. I hope they don't use that term anymore. Um, and I said, well, how, how can God's supply be maxed out? You know, if you're, if you're believing God, 
You see, just like I'm believing God for this 30 grand. I don't know where it's coming from, but I know it's coming. I need it for the church. I, I've got a church to run, and, and our people, they, they're very meager. We're do, doing well just to pay the bills, okay? And, and I, don't, I don't get a salary either. Uh, I'm a missionary, and so whatever happens there, I bring, I help. And so, but, you know, the denial by people around us to not want to get behind you and support the call of God, to support God's purpose in your life, whatever it is, it could be great, it could be small. But you know what? We need to be encouraging one another as we see the day approaching. I mean, when somebody's excited about doing ministry, even if it's a Bible study, we need to get excited about that. Because I got to tell you, we don't have them in our church. We don't have them lining up to want to do something like that. And so, you know, we want to get behind those individuals. And and those the denial of those people in our circle, to stand behind us will one day be made known to everybody that you were strategically placed for such a time as this. I got to tell you, there's been so many times that this has happened and I can't understand. I always ask, Lord, why did you, why did you put us here? Why did you put us here? And, and God always tells me in, my, in, in that inner voice, just wait. Time will, time, you'll know in time. And I usually do. I don't even have time to tell you the full story of, of how God called me into missions and how God put me together with this girl. Because when I met her, she was a missionary kid. I didn't want anything to do with missions. I didn't know enough. I just know it was too much. It was too much. It was too much sacrifice for this old boy. And, and I didn't want to go. And so I remember when he put us together, I said, I, first thing I said to her, and I knew it was getting serious, I said, do you have any aspirations of going back to Africa? And she said, no, not one. Lies. Remember that old prophet? Remember the old prophet? All lies. No, no, I'm playing. I'm really playing. She, she really didn't. And it was like a couple of years later that God spoke to her, and she wouldn't tell me. She, she, God was speaking to her. She wouldn't tell me. She waited for me to approach her. And when I, when I said, I, wanna, I think God's speaking to, to us, to me, about going to Africa, this was at the very beginning. We were pastoring. She said, you're kidding me. She said, why are you saying? I said, why do you say that? She said, because God's been speaking to me about that for weeks, and I didn't know how to tell you. You got to keep in mind, I, I'm, I'm an Italian, okay? I, I, and in fact, we're not just Italian. We're not all the same. The North, the South, we're different. I minister in the North, and so I have to bring it down a little bit. I got to bring it down a few notches, all right? I mean, the Southern Italians are like our Nigerians. Hello? Are you here? You Nigerian? Are you here? Well, they were all in the first service, right? Okay, but that's how the Southern Italians are. We're really passionate. That's the best way to say it. But God, God put it together. God molds these things together. And many cannot or will not acknowledge what the Lord is telling you. But if it involves walking by faith, if it involves seeing souls coming into the kingdom of God, I want to tell you to keep moving with the cloud. Keep moving with the Holy Spirit. 
Because it's of God, and God is going to bless it. You see, God, God doesn't promise to prosper you uh, in the fact that he's going to give you a nice house, he's going to give you a nice car, and all of this. And, but he, you know what? He will bless anything that has to do with the kingdom of God. Because that's, that's, not, that's not real. That's something that God has, has really just put on us, and, and, and it's become become inborn in us and we're taking up his cause and so he's going to he's going to make a way for us let me let me just kind of wind this wind this up and say Jonah Jonah was a young man who was studying opera he came to Padova in our area um, to study at a music conservatory and during the year that he year and a half that he was there he came to our church on one Sunday morning um, in fact, he traveled an hour by train, an hour back. He, did, he came on Sundays and he came on Tuesdays for our university ministry. And it was during that time that Jonah found the Lord Jesus as his personal Savior. God delivered him from various things. And also, he filled him with the Holy Spirit. Well, right after that, he started bringing other students. He brought this one young lady with him. And uh, she got saved. She was also studying opera. Well, after he had finished at that local conservatory, he came to me one day, and I still remember, it was a couple of years back, and uh, he he said to me, Pastor, he said, I'm going to be leaving. I graduated from the conservatory, and I'm going to be doing my master's level. I received a scholarship. I wanted to ask you about it. He said, I received a scholarship to America. I said, really? He said, yeah. I was waiting for him to tell me it was some, you know, local community college or something. And he, he said, it's Yale University. I said, what? He said, yeah. He said, I received this full ride scholarship to Yale University School of Music. I said, wow, that's amazing. He asked, he's, what do you think? I said, it doesn't matter what I think. I said, what, what matters is what God thinks and how you receive it. Is, is God speaking to you? Is God putting his stamp on this? He says, well, I think he is. And I said, well, you do it. I said, don't hesitate. Within one month, his bags were packed. He was on his way to Massachusetts. And then COVID hit. We kept in contact. We prayed over the phone. I encouraged him during that time because he was locked in by himself. In fact, some of his roommates were Jehovah's Witness. And uh, I remember it was Thanksgiving time. And he he said, uh, I, I, I was invited by my roommate to stay if I didn't have plans for Thanksgiving. And he said that, uh, he said, I'm waiting for the church. I'd only visited two times. He said, but I'm waiting. Listen to this because this, this needs to be something to sink in. You see a new student, somebody come through here. You better think about this. This young man, he said, I had only been to the church two times and they locked it down. He said, uh, he said, I'm really hoping that somebody will remember me and ask me to come to Thanksgiving dinner. He said this, he said, I was invited by these Jehovah's Witness. He said, they're going to have a group over to my apartment that I share. There's going to be nine of them. I said, do not stay there. I said, don't stay there. I said, nine to one? Uh-uh. Don't even try. The food, the sh- look, he could eat. The smorgasbord is not worth it. Just go out, 
you know, find a place to go, sit and have a coffee somewhere, wait for them to leave. But we're going to pray. We're going to pray that God is going to open another door, that that church, one of those people from that church is going to remember you. I want you to know that the next day, someone in that church called him, said, I don't know if you have any plans. But he said, but I feel that I needed to invite you to our Thanksgiving meal. You know what? You see, that's what God does when we're following his plan. When we're, when we're obedient to him, the answer to the question of whether Paul made an error in judgment that I asked earlier was found at the end of his life. We don't always get to see the final chapter, our legacy that we leave. The good things that people will say, they are often said after we're already gone. We, we save all that stuff. We don't tell people that we appreciate them until they're dead, until they're laying in a casket, or they're dust in a little urn. Every day we battle our fears, our apprehensions, weighing between what people say and what, pe- what God is saying to us. However, at the end of the day, we need to be convinced that we're following His plan what God wants us to do, what he wants me to do. It's not just for missionaries. It's not just for pastors. It's for you. It's for every one of you. You may be retiring from a a career right now. You need to be praying, Lord, what next? I want to make a difference for your kingdom. I don't know how many years I have left on this planet, but I want to make a difference in the kingdom of God. The actions of Paul were in direct fulfillment to what Jesus said in Matthew 10:18. It says there, "On my account you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to me and to gent- to the Gentiles." You know the gospel accounts say that Jesus steadfastly set his face toward Jerusalem, determined to go against everything. All of the pleading, all of the warnings of his own disciples, Paul must have seen himself in that same role. I would that every one of us see ourselves in a similar role. Paul was arrested, beaten, sent to Rome to stand trial. Paul eventually stood before Felix, Festus at different times, and then later together with Festus and King Agrippa, all in direct fulfillment to what Jesus had said. We all know that it was from this prison experience that Paul wrote many of his finest letters, his finest epistles. The prison epistles to Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians and others, they're all evidence of the saving grace of God which takes what may seem like man's mistakes and uses them for blessing to advance the kingdom of God. You see, everything, I'm going to say this in closing, everything happening in the world should cause us to look deeply at our own convictions. Everything is happening. We need to ask ourselves, am I doing enough for the kingdom? Am I speaking enough for the kingdom of God? What is the Lord instructing us to do? Are you following your convictions? Are you quickly willing to just pass them up, just forget about them? You see, at the end of the race, I would that every one of us would be able to say, as the late great missionary to China, William Borden said, 
There have been no reserves. There's been no retreats. There are no regrets. I got to tell you up until now, my wife can, and I can say those words. We've laid it all down at the altar of Jesus. We continue to do that. We don't have much in the way of earthly possessions, and that's fine. I don't, I don't need it. What I have, what I have that is more precious to me, not only in Jesus as my Savior, but my kids know Jesus Christ. And now I have three grandchildren that God has blessed me with. And this morning, I was struggling this morning. Don't think bad of me. I was struggling this morning when I get up. I just felt so stressed. And my wife looked over and she showed me a picture that my daughter sent right after church of my two grandkids in Greece. She says, this will brighten your day. And it brought a smile on my face, changed my attitude. Because I'm doing it and I'm living everything I am. Not just for my kids, I'm living for Jesus. I'm living for my kids, I'm living for my grandkids. I want to be the best grandfather that I can be. I want to be an example. And the best thing that could happen is they would grow up and they would remember their nono and their nona. They would remember them and say they were good missionaries and they loved us. They loved people. They loved the gospel. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning because I feel this is the first church I feel like I can actually ask this question and ask you to do a little self-examination. I feel like you've been tracking with me the whole time and I hope you have. But if you're here this morning, you've been struggling. You're, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. God had put something in your heart a long time ago, and you haven't been faithful to follow it, to see it through. Or maybe God is just, he's put within you right now. There's been a decision that you have to make. Maybe it's a decision in careers. But there's, there's things that are happening in your life and, and you want to put God first. You know that, that that's what it's all about. Seek first the kingdom and everything else is going to fall into place. And sometimes I think that, you know, we, we say that verse, but we don't really know the impact of it. But this morning, if God has been speaking to you about anything during this message, he's been telling you, I want you, I want you for what I want to do, not for what you want to do. I have a plan. I want you to follow in it. Maybe you're a young person here and you're trying, you're looking, you don't know what you're going to do in life. You've been praying about God's will in your life. You've been struggling with some things. You don't know which way to go, what college to go to. You don't even know what career that God has for you. People tell me all the time, this is what I'm going to do. This is what, this is, you know, I'm going to go here. I'm going to move there. I always ask them, what does God say? What does God say? What is God telling you? Have you, have you even taken time to ask him? Because he's concerned. 
We all want to do stuff, and we want God's stamp of approval. We, we tell God, we're going to do this. God, I need you to just put your stamp on it. I need you to pay the way. Pay the bill. Does it work that way? You're in the middle of God's will. He's going to make a way. He's going to move every obstacle out of your path. And if that's you this morning, I want you to stand to your feet without any hesitation. I want you to come around this altar because I believe that God is going to do something this morning in this altar. If you surrender to Him, you give everything to Him and say, Lord, I'm willing to go. It doesn't matter how old I, I, I am. It doesn't matter whether I'm already retired. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. I see so much on Facebook anymore. I, I see people that could gripe and complain that do this and do that. You know, they're always saying something. I look at my wife and I say, they don't have enough to do. I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about believers. They don't have enough to do. My God, go down to the soup kitchen. Volunteer your time at the soup kitchen feeding the hungry. You can find something to do. My wife and I were just at a, a, some folks' home just last week in Savannah. And these folks, they were, they were 80, 83 and 79. And they were still giving, not only of their resources and praying. I got up early and I saw the, the old man. He was in his chair and he was praying with his Bible open. And as I sat there, I, I visited with them for two days. This man, he was telling me about the ministries that God has placed before them. He was out there with the homeless. He was out there with the destitute. He said it got to the place where it was really dangerous as we had to stop. Let me tell you something. You are never too old. Quit making excuses to not follow what the Lord's telling you to do. Time for church. The time for playing church is finished. We're living in the last days, people. I'm telling you, the next time I show up at this church, these pews need to be full. They need to be full. I'm inviting you one more time to get up, come down here. You get something from God, and you walk out of here a different person. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Just raise your hands to the Lord. You who are down here, just raise your hands to the Lord. God wants to fill you. God's going God's to do greater things. I'm going to tell you what. I thank God for our seniors. I thank God for those people that have gone before me and blazed the trail. These people, these people made, made the sacrifice. They made the sacrifice. And I'm telling you, I honor I honor our seniors. And yet they don't want to, there's many of them that they don't want to stop. They don't want to give up. Father, I pray right now. I pray for these right now that are in this altar, willing to give up everything, willing to say, God, I'm here. Open a door. Show me. I'm willing to step through it. I want to be obedient. I want to do what you've called me to do. I want to be like the Apostle Paul. I want to hear your voice. I want to fulfill your plan. 
It doesn't matter how old I am. Lord, I pray for those that are still seated. God, there are some that are still seated that you have spoken to, but they have not moved. Jesus, right now, I pray that you grip their heart. Grip their heart, Lord, for the things of heaven. Grip their heart, Lord, for souls. Grip their heart for their neighbor. Grip their heart, Lord Jesus, for a lost and dying world that needs to know you in these last days. Lord, fill your people with the Holy Spirit. Fill them with the the spirit of discernment so they'll know when things are of you and when they are not. You do the work, Lord. You do the work. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Would you all please stand? Thank you, Father, for your work, for the power of your spirit, for your rich anointing. Thank you, Lord, that we've been in your presence today. Now all of us, Lord Jesus, we know we have an assignment. God, help us to fulfill the assignment you've given to us as people and individuals, Lord Jesus. To be faithful to what you call each of us to do in the places you've called us to do that. Not to impose our feelings and our approach on others, but God, to trust you to speak into their lives and God, empower them to do what you ask them to do. So now, God, you do your work through your people, your way, Lord Jesus. And as our brother has said, God, that we do get busy about your business, filling up the pews, seeing souls saved and lives transformed. In Jesus' precious and powerful name, we pray all this. Amen and amen. Y'all have a blessed day today. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley, but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.